20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Thursday, March the 4th, it is officially spring as far as I'm concerned. It was 50 degrees today in the horrendous state that is Illinois, <laughs> which I assume is pretty similar to the case in Wisconsin then. I'm your host this evening on Thursday. I am Jacob Westendorf. I am joined with one of my co-hosts that usually joins me on Wednesday evenings for a Thursday show. Jimmy Christensen is mourning the loss of his knee. It is not a... I said that it made it sound like it was amputated. He has not lost his knee, but uh, torn ACL is the official diagnosis. We'll see how he rehabs. And unfortunately, he was due to have another fight here in about 10 days. And now, obviously, he's not fighting with a torn ACL, uh, which I, in not so many words, told him to suck it up and do it anyways. But apparently, that is not medically advisable. So you can see why I am in healthcare, but not a doctor. I'm joined, however, by the better half of our co-hosts, and that is Maggie Loney, uh, fresh off of a recording with the great Michelle Bruton. So Maggie, give us a little snippet. What was that like? You know, we talk um, Packers potential franchise tags. We talk about Matt LaFleur and the fantastic Packers Wire article that she wrote a couple of years ago when she kind of predicted the Matt LaFleur hiring. Talk about Joe Barry since her husband is a Rams fan. And I think probably half of the show we talked about beer. So if you are a beer fan, definitely tune in for that alone. I respect it. So I cannot wait. <laughs> that show airs on Friday morning. Actually, it'll come out today, Thursday, since we did it a day early. Okay, so right after you are done listening to us, or maybe you've already heard it, but if you haven't yet, flip on over to Pax What She Said and figure that out. But like I mentioned, I am joined by Maggie Loney, and it is March. So Maggie, we are both part of the She Said TV draft guide, and I know that because my deadline for my position group, which is tight ends, is today. So Al, I will send that <laughs> to you. Don't worry. Uh, Maggie, what do you have uh, for the draft guide this year? I'm doing the position analysis review and kind of look to the future. So my deadline isn't until the end of March because I have to wait to see what happens in free agency. Like last year, I wrote all the position previews and sent in my final draft. And then the Packers decided to sign Devin Funches. So I had to add to that wide receiver piece. So hopefully there's no late ads this year. I mean, you know, if, if they're good players, then I'm okay with that <laughs> being the case. But you All right. Know, but then my I... deadlines need to be flexible. That's all I'm saying. I... Al, I'm pretty sure we can make that happen if that very well <laughs> is the case. But let's let's start there. You mentioned the franchise tag, which I know the guys yesterday, um, Dusty and Steve and Sarah, talked a little bit about the potential of franchise tagging Aaron Jones, and that's led to a lot of discussion here. If the Packers do use the franchise tag this year, which they have not used since Ryan Pickett, I believe is the it's yeah. either Ryan Pickett or Corey Williams, one of those two. But 2010. There you go, Corey. Or that would have been Ryan Pickett then yeah. if it was 2010. Um, if they use it, it will be on Aaron Jones. Where do you fall on that side of things? And let's just do that briefly before we get into our topic for today. It's really tough. And we kind of talked about this a little bit on Pax, what she said. But it to me, it's if you think Aaron Jones can get you over the hump, like if you are a team that is committed to going all in and, you know, you've made the NFC championship game two years in a row and Aaron Jones fits really well in Matt LaFleur's offense. So if you think that maybe you can get him on a franchise tag one year rental and go all the way and then let another team pay him the 15 mil, 17 mil, he maybe wants a year next season. 
then I think the franchise tag is worth it. But if you are franchise tagging for a long-term deal and, you know, maybe you think that you're more than just a running back away from making a push to have sustained success with Aaron Rodgers, then, then I lean towards seeing what you have in AJ Dillon and drafting somebody. Yeah, I, I am against it. And for a couple of different reasons, Aaron Jones, great player. I think he's, he's fantastic. High character guy. Everything that you could want in a player is certainly Aaron Jones. That being said, the old saying, of course, is business knows no loyalties. And if you franchise tag Aaron Jones, there's a few things that could happen. Uh, number one, he may hold out, which there's no guarantee that he would, but he could. And that even could be something that's advised by uh, his agent, which they kind of call some of the shots at that point. So if he does hold out, then you're talking about how long is he going to hold out? Those are questions that the guys are going to have to answer every day. Does he report by the beginning of the regular season? So he's missed all of training camp now, and then you're trying to ramp him into your offense. Or does he pull the levy, not the whole season, but does he pull the levy on Bell of missing regular season games and only showing up when he can get that accrued season and get back to free agency? I just think that is a unnecessary distraction for a position that is not overly valuable and something that I think you could find a replacement on. And I know some people have discussed the the process or the potential of a tag and a trade. And I would have to ask somebody how that works from a salary cap standpoint is how does that work from, do the Packers assume that entire eight and a half to $11 million? I know those numbers have kind of fluctuated as to what they are, but do they assume that on their cap then to pick up then if you're doing that, then you're assuming if Jones hits the open market, you're probably getting a comp pick somewhere between a third and a fourth rounder for next year. You'll have to do as good or better. So a second or third round pick for sure for that player. And it'll be somewhere that he wants to go because he'll have to sign his tender in order to get that trade in. And it was kind of a rule that was put in to curb that tag and trade loophole that they could use. So I just think it's something that's messy. I would say either sign the guy or don't. I tend to lean more towards don't. I think you've seen there's not a bigger fan in the world of AJ Dillon than Maggie. After watching him against the Tennessee Titans this year, I'm not too far behind in that boat. I think he's somebody that can change the way that this entire offense looks. I think he's ready to be the man starting in 2021. You add a guy in the mid rounds of the draft and or a cheap veteran Maybe that's Jamal Williams coming back. Maybe that's James White, which has been speculated about, or there's going to be a million running backs, I think, that you should be able to get on the relative cheap. Maybe they won't be as good as Jones, but this is a game of replacement, as the now-retired Packers beat writer Vic Ketchman used to say, and you have to replace guys. It's just it's unfortunate that it is that way because replacing Aaron Jones is going to be tough. And like you mentioned, in the locker room, his character, everything like that, it's it's very high. but. I would, I would say it's avoid the mess essentially, or avoid the potential mess. I should say, I shouldn't call it a guaranteed mess, but avoid the potential mess that that could be. But that is not why we were here tonight. Uh, one more thing I do want to pick your brain on before we get into is, is Brian Gutekunst saying Preston Smith. And that was, we expect him to be back. And there's two schools of thought on that. Number one is he broke some news. Number two is, well, what else is he supposed to say at that point? Like, oh, no, he stinks and we plan on cutting him. Like, that's kind of a tough spot to be put in as the general manager. But real quick, what are your thoughts on the potential 
of the Smith brothers going for a third go round. I saw a really interesting argument about this and I can't remember who kind of initiated the conversation. So apologies if you're listening, feel free to call me out on Twitter about it. But um, just the idea that, you know, you have Zadarius Smith, obviously, who's playing at a really high level, you know, second team, all pro pro bowler. And you have Rashawn Geary, who in kind of the latter half of the season really came on strong and granted Preston Smith looked better in the second half of the season. But a lot of people then I think are starting to wonder, you know, bringing back Preston Smith, does that kind of inhibit Rashawn Geary's development going into his third year? I mean, if he's playing well enough and he seems to be playing really well and kind of escalating as a player, do you stunt his growth by putting him in kind of as the third edge in that rotation behind Zadarius and Preston. So I I'm really conflicted about it. I think it's always a good thing to have good pass rushers and Preston Smith has shown that he can be a good pass rusher, but, and, you know, I think a lot of it kind of will be contingent upon what Joe Barry wants to do with his defense as well. And if the Packers are weak along the defensive line, which we've seen, then having a guy like Zadarius or Rashawn, over the nose and giving your third edge rusher the option to rush, rush off the edge. That makes sense. So I know that doesn't really answer the question. I, I guess I'm kind of feeling more and more like Preston Smith will maybe come back. I just think that the Packers then are going to have to get really creative with how they restructure some of their other players. Yeah. And that's something that I would imagine if, if they do expect him back, then there's something else that we don't know or haven't thought of or something that is going to create cap space because it's not an option. The Packers have to be under the cap here two weeks from tonight. As we record, they have to be under the salary cap. Whatever that number uh, turns out to be, will be as low as 180. And it remains to be seen what the official number will be. I imagine we find that out in the next 10 to 12 days before that goes. But from an on-field standpoint, if Preston Smith's not in green Bay, then you're one rolled ankle away from Randy Ramsey, Jonathan Garvin, Tipa Galea. And even if you love those guys, none of them have proven anything at a professional level. And Zadarius Smith, knock on wood, the Packers have been very lucky. I do not believe he's missed a game since being in Green Bay. Rashawn Gary has missed a couple of games, but it's football. Injuries happen. You always need to be ready for that second group. And like Maggie mentioned, there's no such thing as too many good pass rushers. And Preston Smith there's probably a middle ground, right? Like, is he as good as his 2019 campaign was where he had 62 pressures and 12 sacks? No. Is he as poor as he was last year where he had, I believe the number is 16 pressures and four sacks. No, there's probably a middle ground there. And his experience with Joe Barry, which he pointed out, I think is something that could potentially play to his benefit. And I don't want to, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to say anything maybe, but there was at least some rumblings that Preston Smith came into camp a little bit thicker last year than he was before. And maybe he got off to a little bit of a slower start. Maybe there was an injury we don't know about. There's just, I mean, there's just so many things that could have played a part into why Preston Smith wasn't able to follow up on the season he had, but you know, he's 28 years old. He still does have the ability to rush the passer. The question just then becomes is, are they keeping him at that cap number? Because it does get a little prohibitive at you're betting a lot on a maybe at, you know, $8 million, which as Andy Herman, the podfather has pointed out is more like $12 million because of how that'll work in the 2022 season as well. So 
I look forward to seeing what they're going to do. I think this offseason is going to be maybe more entertaining than it ever has been. Diana Rossini from ESPN reported today that uh, I think it was a coach told her that next week is going to be, quote, a massacre in terms of cuts and just everything around the league. So I look forward. I shouldn't say I look forward to guys getting fired, but I just I look forward to seeing what that might look like and how it could potentially affect the Packers and maybe even potentially benefit them because that is something that Brian Gutekunst has talked about before. So always account for variable change. You know, Gutekunst could say that now that they expect him back, but maybe they expected him back knowing something that they don't know or something to that effect. But tonight, something that we do know is that the offensive line is in flux and Brian Gutekunst has been politically correct, but pretty much has told us without telling us that Corey Lindsley's not coming back. He did say we never closed the door on something with Corey Lindsley. That being said, he basically said he's too expensive to bring back. Uh, when they say they'll never close the door, I think that means like, Hey, if he wants to come back and play for $5 million a season, then we're happy to do something like that. That's not going to happen. Corey Lindsley just played for $7 million annually and had the best season of his career at the perfect time is it's the poster child, if you will, of playing really well in a contract season. Some team's going to pony up for that, especially after watching the way Tampa Bay pushes the pocket. Teams always overreact to stuff like that. So Lindsley's going to get paid. Rick Wagner is not here anymore. David Bakhtiari injured his knee. He's not, he, well, he may or may not be around when the season starts. So I wanted to talk about the guys up front tonight and see where your head is at in terms of how are guys going to line up. And it starts at the tackle spots because, you know, last year they had it Bakhtiari, Billy Turner, Rick Wagner. Those three guys took the vast majority of the tackle snaps. And now two of those three guys may or may not be around. So what are your expectations for how the Packers attack this tackle position going into a 2021 season where protecting your quarterback, this is the case since football started, is paramount? Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, I think that's really tough. And I, Rick Wagner was one of those like expected, but still kind of confusing roster moves where, you know, they did it, you know, it made sense. Christian Kirksey too. I mean, there were two players that they kind of signed on like these bridge contracts where they could play two years. Otherwise, you know, you're kind of renting them for a season, which ended up being the case for both of those guys. But, and if, if David Bakhtiari is healthy, then it makes total sense, but kind of having him as a question mark right now, you have Billy Turner and Yash Nijman as your tackles kind of going into the season. And unless you move, 
Elton Jenkins to left tackle or to even right tackle and swing Billy over. But then, you know, you're kind of screwing up the interior of your offensive line. And Elton Jenkins kind of been predicted to be potentially the center. So I think there's just a lot of question marks. And the Packers do have some depth. They obviously have Lucas Patrick, who can also play center or guard. Um, I've been on this show advocating for Lane Taylor to come back on a really minimal contract. I think he makes a ton of sense at either of the guard spots, especially if Elton Jenkins is going to be moving to the exterior of the line. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks. Obviously, you have John Runyon Jr. You drafted Simon Stepanak and Jake Hansen. Potentially, the replacement center is on the roster. But Corey Lindsay is going to be really tough for me to see the Packers move on from. Uh, even more so than Aaron Jones. And I think a large part of that is, you know, if you have a good offensive line, you can make just about any run game work. But if your offensive line is bad, it doesn't matter who is at quarterback or who's your running back when you don't have any protection, you don't have that ability to push the pocket and open up running lanes. And we've kind of seen Matt LaFleur's reliance on a lot of those open running lanes for his running backs and that ability to move and create some of those that outside zone in his run so it's really it's really tough and I think knowing David Bakhtiari he'll push to come back as soon as possible but like you said with your edge rushers you're one injury away again from having a bare cupboard at the tackle position right and when the Packers got into the playoffs we were a a rolled ankle away from Yosh Nijman, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr. You know, we don't really know what they would have done if somebody got hurt in order to uh, get through an NFC championship and potentially a Super Bowl type of situation if one of those guys wasn't able to go. And I think you make a really good point there in talking about it doesn't matter if you have prime Barry Sanders and prime Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback and running back respectively. We just saw it in the postseason. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just went through Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and frankly made both of them look like mortals at points because of their ability to get pressure on those guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has not played a game that poorly in his entire NFL career. And the Bucks held the Chiefs to no touchdowns, nine points, et cetera, because of their ability to consistently live in his face. So I think that where it starts is Billy Turner is your left tackle. And I think that a lot of people have talked about the possibility of Elton Jenkins maybe kicking out there. I just think the Packers could have done that a bunch of different times. And then they did, they just, they haven't, you know, Billy Turner was the guy when it came time, when Bakhtiari missed time, when Bakhtiari ultimately was lost for the season, Billy Turner was that guy. And that's okay as a stopgap. Like you mentioned, I do think it's possible that Bakhtiari tries to suit up and play as early as possible. Matt Schneidman, one of his bold predictions from the athletic was that he's there week one, on Sunday night football against Kansas city. I am editorializing that a little bit, but I'm throwing that in there just so you guys know. Uh, but I do think that that's at least a possibility. We just don't know with ACL injuries on the right tackle side of things. If, if I'm assuming Turner is the left tackle, my personal thought, and I did talk about this on Saturday uh, with Jason Perrone for this very show. And I, I basically said, leave Brittany alone. Brittany in this case is Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins is a good center. He's a good right tackle. He's a great left guard. Let him be a great left guard. And I think that makes Lucas Patrick a better player if he plays center. And I think you figure out the right tackle position as you go. Obviously, Billy Turner slides back over once Bakhtiari is good to go. But I do think 
There are some tackle prospects in this draft class that you could plug and go. Alex Leatherwood from Alabama is a personal favorite of mine that you could put in right away. Tevin Jenkins is another guy. Uh, the, the hyphenated name that I'm not even going to try and butcher from USC is another name that I think that they could certainly value in that position as well. But I think there are guys you can figure out and maybe this is where they look for a stopgap type of veteran in the mold of Rick Wagner. Maybe that's Jared Veldier. That's the only name I know that's going to be on the market for sure, for sure. But maybe that's a guy that they try and say, Hey, what do you think of being our right tackle to start the season? And then when David comes back, you're a swing tackle, or you know maybe you figure out that you don't really want to play all that much anymore. You want to retire until the playoffs, like you've done the last couple of years. That's certainly possible too. But I think that you know the straw that kind of changes everything on this offensive line, or the chess piece, if you will. If this was a chess board, Elton Jenkins is a queen, and you could put him anywhere on the board. I just think you need to put him at his best position, and that is left guard. And I think that Lucas Patrick is a better center than anything else. Maggie mentioned Lane Taylor, obviously. I think he would be – that almost seems too perfect, honestly. Like, you're going to be able to get him for cheap. He's obviously coming off of an injury, and you don't even have to start him. Like, if John Runyon or Simon Stepaniak is ready in camp to be the starter, then Jenkins is a good insurance policy. And as we saw last season, the Packers played like 15 offensive linemen last year because of their injuries. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not by as much as you would think. I mean, they needed everybody that they had. If you think of how many guys they had going into the season last year, they used almost every single one of them to the point where, again, like Maggie mentioned, if Rick Wagner or Billy Turner gets hurt in that championship game, Yosh Nijman might have played. John Runyon Jr. might have played. You know, we don't know what they would have done. And I'm, I kind of shudder to think of what they would have done. Thankfully, we didn't have to find out. But that's kind of where you're at on those sides of things. Maggie, if you're drawing it up on the interior, I kind of went through those scenarios a little bit. But what do you think is the best combination from left to right? And you can include Lane Taylor if you'd like. Yeah, to me, I would feel, I think, the most comfortable if Corey Lindsley is not back, obviously, is the caveat, because if Corey Lindsley's back, then everything is a lot easier to kind of figure out in the interim until David Bakhtiari's back. But to me, it's Elton Jenkins at left guard, Lucas Patrick at center, and Lane Taylor as your right guard. And I know you said it's kind of too perfect, and I feel the same way. You know, two seasons riddled with injuries. He's lost, you know, the last two. He played... I think he started like four seasons in a row before that point played all 16 games. So he can do it. We've seen him rehab and bounce back really well from injuries. He's not going to be an expensive contract and he already knows Matt LaFleur's system really well. And we've seen kind of what he can put together in training camp to win those starting spots two years in a row. So he would be my pick, but you know, let's figure out the Packers cap situation first before we try to add even a, a little contract to that. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that based on what we know, and like I said, I think you can make a pretty sound assumption that Corey Lindsley is going to be snapping the ball somewhere else next season. But I think it's it's Elton Jenkins, it's Lucas Patrick, and then I like John Runyon Jr. And he's somebody that you know I watched every snap of his college career. He's got that pedigree. His dad obviously played in the NFL for a really long time as a really good right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles during those Andy Reid days. And I was excited to see him when we all thought he was going to start against the Philadelphia Eagles, oddly enough, in that game at Lambeau Field. That obviously didn't happen. And I know he only played in spot duty. He played less than 200 snaps last season, but 
he did fill in admirably when he was able to fill in. And I think he's somebody that as soon as they drafted him last year, I said, pencil him in at one of the guard spots for 2021. And I think that's going to be the case uh, when they break into camp here, obviously, but I'm all for competition. You know, if Lane Taylor comes back, if they draft a guy, they obviously like Simon Stepaniak as well as somebody that could come in. And he's somebody that was pretty well thought of in terms of the draft community for, you know, what he could be. So if they have to go that three-way comp, the good news is for this Packers offensive line is they're in, even with Bakhtiari being injured, you assume he's going to come back. They're in pretty good shape. David Bakhtiari is as good as it gets at the left tackle position. Elton Jenkins is good anywhere you put him. And I do think there's a possibility that he opens the season as their right tackle because of reasons that I talked about. It's a more valuable position. You guys know all the reasons that that could be a possibility. I don't want to bore you. And Billy Turner is a good player as well. And he acquitted himself very well last season, despite all of the worries and concerns of, Oh my God, are they gonna, like, as soon as they signed Rick Wagner, the thought was Billy Turner was going to be benched. Well, now not only is Billy Turner not going to be benched, he turned into maybe the most important offensive lineman on the Packers this past season. And that includes Elton Jenkins simply because Turner played left tackle. And I know he didn't play that great against Tampa Bay, but all things considered, he played pretty well from the Chicago game through the postseason for what you could have expected when usually when a team loses their left tackle, it's a death sentence. It looks a lot like what the Kansas city super bowl did where they just, they can't block anybody. And it didn't look like that. It may have looked a little rough at times, but I think Turner is somebody that could be a very valuable piece for this Packers team going into 2021. Maggie, have you done any scouting film watching anything like that in terms of the offensive line group? Where do you think this interior and exterior group stacks up uh, for guys that could potentially help the Packers as soon as next season? See, no, I am primarily focusing on the cornerbacks and I know that that's going to come back to bite me because I'm penciling in that at pick 29, it's going to be a corner. And, you know, and I think I'm just spoiled by Dave Bakhtiari being a fourth rounder. Like I have these expectations that there's going to be these really talented guys. And, you know, there could be John Runner Jr. Obviously with the sixth round pick. And it's funny that you put him in as your right guard. Cause to me, I kind of see him as right tackle to start the season. And maybe it's like his dad and I'm just kind of, you know, projecting um, his lineage, I guess, to where I think he'd start to start the season. But no, I haven't done as much with the offensive line, but I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Alex Leatherwood because something about him, he's just really fun to watch. That he is. And I think he's somebody that you could plug in and he could play right tackle for you on day one. And if you, know, you want to move Turner over or maybe Runyon has a rough start to the season or something. When, when Bakhtiari comes back, he could be your starting right guard and something the Packers have done when it works, it's called getting the best five guys on the field. When it doesn't work, it's called playing musical chairs on the offensive line, which usually from a philosophical standpoint, I'm against, I'm really big on continuity, consistency, all that stuff on the offensive line. But the reality is it's very rare. It's not, I'll say this, it's not an accident that the best offensive line we've seen from the Packers, and that includes this year's, which was really good, was the 2014 group that lost in Seattle where all of those guys played 15 out of 16 games. Brian Balaga missed one game. Otherwise, they played all 16 games together, or 15 out of 16 games together, I guess would be the case. I don't think that's an accident, but I do think that they could stand to add a guy or two to that position. They have 10 picks. I will not be surprised if... 
I think they drafted an offensive lineman in every one of Ted Thompson's drafts, and they've drafted at least one in Brian Gutekunst's drafts, and I think that they'll do that again this year as far as adding a guy or two. Right now, Maggie, if we're looking at it before we sign off here, if you had to grade this Packers position group where they're at, you got to assume you know Bakhtiari's in it. How comfortable are you on a scale of 1 to 10 with this group going into next season? So this is assuming that David Bakhtiari – I mean, are we saying that he's going to start or just that he's in the position group as, you know, a holistic? Let's go conservative and say he misses the first month. Okay. So assuming that we don't have Corey Lindsley back, which seems likely and is, you know, really devastating to me. I'm still not over it. I'm going to talk about it until he's wearing a different colored uniform. But I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I, I still think B because I think that if Corey Lindsley is kind of the player that you're losing, and Lucas Patrick can shift and maybe you're adding one new person, then, you know, David Bakhtiari is returning. Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins are two of the most versatile players that we've had in Packers uniforms along the offensive line for a long time. John Runyon Jr., I think, can play a bigger role. And I think that the Packers, like you said, will draft some young talent to kind of fill out that room. But it's it's tricky because, you know, the the really good players make you feel confident, but the the holes I think are glaring enough that it feels like a really average grade. Yeah. I'm there with you. It, it's there's a lot more question marks now than there were. For example, if Lindsley's there, then you say going into last season, they have three elite players. Those three guys are as good as it gets. And you're worried about the right side of the offensive line, which is where I think we all were going into last season. Now Lindsley's gone. Patrick is probably, if this were baseball, Patrick is the R in war. He's a replacement level player, which is fine, but it is a downgrade from a guy who was the best center in football last season. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. He was first team all pro, highest graded pro football focus, whatever metric stat thought of amongst his peers you want to use, Lindsley was there. And downgrading from him is a problem. Not having Bakhtiari is a problem, even as admirably as I think Billy Turner filled in. There's a downgrade from, again, best left tackle in pro football to an above average one or an average one even. And an average tackle has a ton of value, but it's not the best one like David Bakhtiari will be when he's back. So I'm there with you. I think that it's an average group as of right now. Uh, They could obviously add some guys like I mentioned, and eventually I think you'll get to a spot where if you do want to take solace in something, and I've, I've brought this up before, but Matt Schneidman wrote the article on David Bakhtiari after he signed his extension, and it basically said that Brian Gutekunst was very instrumental in drafting Bakhtiari, and those three offensive linemen I mentioned last year were guys that Gutekunst obviously drafted, and it kind of leads you to wonder how instrumental was he in terms of drafting Josh Sitton and TJ Lang and some of those other fourth round gems that even Brian Balaga that Green Bay's found over the last decade or so and something like that. But you got to feel pretty good that if Green Bay brings in an offensive lineman, whether by draft or free agency, that they'll do well. And Adam Stenovich was the assistant coach of the year last year, which isn't an award they give out, but they should have. Uh, he was a excellent position coach for Green Bay last year and had all those guys ready. He does not get enough credit for having this offensive line group as ready as they were on a week in week out basis. And 
I would love to look this up and I wish I had thought of this before the show just to see how many weeks consecutively or how many times did Green Bay start the same group from left to right on a week to week basis. Cause I bet that number is not very high considering they played 18 games last season. So for example, I know in the playoffs, both of those games were started by the same group, but that would be one for example. But I know from week one to week two, they didn't start the same group because Elton, they didn't even finish the game with the group they started because Elton Jenkins started the game at right tackle and finished the game at left guard because Rick Wagner came in the game after that. So I look forward to seeing how they kind of retool this group after having such a good year last year. And it's paramount because Aaron Rodgers, as good as he was last year, he's 37 years old and keeping him upright and protected is more important than it ever has been just because of his age, his injury history, all that, all that good stuff that you guys have heard about. So that's going to do it for this edition of the pack a day podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, a shout out to our fallen comrade. You can follow Jimmy Christensen at Jimmy underscore C zero eight. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf and you can find Maggie. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. Uh, feel better, Jimmy. And there goes my dog. If you, <laughs> that's our, that's our new co-host. His name is Bojack. Uh, yes, he is named after the cartoon character, which is phenomenal. And he keeps Maggie and Mark awake at night. So please do better at sleeping and those kinds of things throughout the, <laughs> throughout the day and the night, but thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. We found out today we are here with you guys all month long. So unlike last year, we are not changing things up. So it'll be the three of us annoying you for the month of March. And next week will be our last show before the beginning of the new league year. So maybe we find out some stuff about the, the salary cap. Maybe we find out some stuff about some cuts. Maybe we find out some other stuff, but the news cycle is going to start to hit here in the next, like I said, 10 to 14 days. So look forward to that. Look forward to a lot of different stuff. But until then, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Oh,